Hello, everyone. You're listening to another episode of Between the Lines, OWWR's anti-racism podcast. My name is Melissa Wright, and I will be your host. On today's episode, we will be exploring the evolution of social activism. With the uprise of social media and smartphones, social activism and political engagement have reached levels that were previously unreachable. The official Black Lives Matter project is a perfect example of this. This movement all started back with a hashtag in 2013 that were created by three Black female pioneers, and now the hashtag and movement have become international. Social media has created a platform that gives us the ability to connect, share, and highlight issues pertaining to racial injustice. Today in America, social activists use social media and modern technology as tools to fight against racial injustice. So on today's episode, I wanted to explore how social activism has evolved over the last generation. Our first guest, Gabby Pardo, is an editor for a millennial and Gen Z based news outlet called Shades of Long Island. Shades of Long Island focuses on creating content for millennials and Gen Zs, highlighting the local issues and voices on Long Island. So I've often heard from friends and peers that mainstream news outlets, even local ones like our News 12, don't cater to a younger audience. There seems to be a disconnect in the conversation. I personally feel this way myself. I feel like whenever I'm watching mainstream outlets, I feel like the issues being highlighted or discussed aren't issues that I want to focus on or I want to know more information on. With Shades of Long Island, those narratives are catered to an audience that we don't see in mainstream demographics. The narratives, references, and vocabulary are designed to cater to a Gen Z, millennial, and even Gen Y demographic, whereas mainstream news outlets do not. My second guest is videographer Chris Durval. He is a creator of the short film, The Movement, which I did speak about on my previous episode. Just as a recap, the movement was a short film that captured a series of Black Lives Matter protests that were held here on Long Island last summer of 2020. So with Chris and I, we discussed the motivation and the impact behind his film, The Movement, as well as the significance of modern technology like smartphones in today's America. Smartphones not only connect us to social media and our fabulous creation of the selfies, but they allow us to enhance the accountability for police, law enforcement, and our public servants. Videos and photos collected by smartphones create the opportunity for an outside perspective, one that may not have been seen or heard otherwise. So... Without further ado, let's get to our first host, Ms. Gabby Pardo. All right, so my guest that I have on today is Gabby Pardo. Hi, Gabby. How are you? Good. How are you, Melissa? I'm doing great today. Great, great. So I kind of just wanted to talk a little bit about Shades of Long Island. Um, I ran into Ben Carlin at an open forum that the Freeport Police Department held a few weeks ago early in February and 
this was the first time I ever heard about Shades. I didn't even realize we had such a progressive like news publisher on Long Island. I was really excited to hear about it. And I guess my first question is how, do you know a little bit about Shades? Can you speak a little bit on that? Yes, absolutely. Um, so just a little bit of background about me. Um, right now I am still a student undergraduate. Um, I am a senior right now at Stony Brook University studying journalism and creative writing. Um, so I found out about Shades because our lovely editor-in-chief, um, Maya, reached out to me to apply for their internships that they were having. This was back in August of 2020. And Immediately what drew me to apply was Shades' mission. And I actually am not from Long Island. I know Long Island because I go to school here, but um, being a Hispanic female with Puerto Rican and Ecuadorian roots, I really wanted to see more articles written about different diversity aspects, culture, genders, um, right. sexual orientations and so forth. And I don't see enough of that. So when I found out that Shades' mission was to cater not only to Gen Z, which is my generation, um, but also minority communities in Long Island, I immediately was like, I have to apply for this. Even if I don't get the internship, it would still be an honor. And um, I was a reporting intern from September 2020 to December. And um, I really grew a passion for this outlet. So Maya gave me the opportunity to be promoted to news editor now. So I am the news editor of Shades of Long Island. So basically I help edit articles and publish them. Um, I also help Maya work on our bi-weekly newsletter um, and our post calendar and so forth. And it really has been amazing because um, from just, you know, a lot of my friends know how passionate I am about representing and working with um, underrepresented voices and communities. So Shades is a really great outlet for that. And I'm really glad this is our mission because I've never seen any news outlet who focuses specifically on this. So it's definitely an honor to be on the team. Um, and we have a lot of great things coming up. So yeah. Yeah, I, I took a look over the website. It, there's so many different like segments that you guys cover. You guys cover entertainment, political stuff, even things like local restaurants by, you know, founded and, and operated by different groups of people. I've seen that you guys have like a business aspect too. Uh, is that something with under your position, you kind of do like an overview of every, I guess, different thing that Shades is provides? So, yes, yeah, so we do. So you are correct about our business directory. Um, we have the largest, um, to put it in perspective, largest minority owned business directory yeah. out there relating to um, Long Island. I don't specifically deal with the advertising side of things. That's more Maya. And we do also have like marketing interns who deal with that. Um, so it really is great because it actually helps our interns and including me to actually develop stories as well, because we, this gives us a whole source list almost about what, um, what minority businesses are on Long Island. And as I explained, we do cater towards that audience and looking to shed a light on that. Um, but it really is great in general for our audience because I feel like, especially during COVID-19 times, it's really important to support small businesses and especially minority small businesses. So this is a great gateway to help people who um, wanna support other things to look at and say, okay, for example, 
I want to buy clothing from a minority owned business. So literally you, you could click on, on the website shopping and retail, and it gives you so many different options. Um, and these are all yeah. great businesses as well. And they're happy to be a part of this. Um, so no, to, I don't deal with this specifically, but I've definitely actually spoken with some of these businesses. Um, one of the articles I've written about when I was a reporting intern was about specifically um, black owned beauty brands on Long Island. So like some of them were from this directory. Some of them I found on my own. And then I said, Hey, listen, you know, we have this directory here. Like you should definitely reach out to my editor in chief and advertise here. And they ended up doing that. And it's really helping other creators, businesses get their name out there through our business directory as well. Right. It's, it's extensive. Like it's, it's really detailed. It's almost like a search engine. Um, I found some stuff because I live in Freeport and I'm looking at like small owned like restaurants that I didn't even know were in my town. It's amazing. Um, how, I mean, how did you guys go about getting all this information? Like, do you guys have scouters where, you know, you kind of have people go out and see like what's around the area? Do you advertise for these locally businesses to kind of reach out if they wanted to advertise or publish whatever they have? Yeah. Like, what are the steps? That, yeah. Yeah. So um, to be honest with you, um, Melissa, Maya deals with more of the business side of things. So, but we okay. do also have on our website, um, it does, you know, we do have a business section. So people do click there and then you could see like, oh, like add your business if you click there and there's a whole process for that. Um, but no, every time I do talk to at least with me and I'm sure the other interns we have do this too. You know, if we are dealing with a business article and they don't know about our business directory, we do definitely try to tell them. Um, but yeah, no, literally if you click add your business under the business directory part, um, you know, there's create a listing and like, you know, business and then you could make your own account and it's pretty self-explanatory. And also there's also contact information on our website. So you know, anyone can always, always reach out to Maya and so forth. But yeah, I always try to spread the word as much as possible. Okay. Um, so I guess you, you know, being on Long Island, um, especially with this past summer with the rise of the BLM marches, you know, that was a big thing that a lot of different out news outlets kind of took different perspectives on. Um, during that time, I guess, what what were the proactive steps that Shades took to kind of report perspectives that normally we may not have seen, like on Newsday or Long Island 12? Right. Yeah, absolutely. So um, like I mentioned earlier, I did not start at Shades until August, September, um, to be very okay. fair. But I can at least speak on my end as a journalist um, because I do work in my campus newspaper. I'm a managing editor there as well. Um, but okay. I think definitely when I, well, first off, as a journalist in general, um, seeing this, you know, we, we have to talk about this. And I think it's really important that as storytellers, as communicators, that we, we do it correctly as well. Um, we do it correctly and we represent the story in a light because you, this is, this is one of the most divided times our country has been in, in my personal opinion. And yeah. um, I think this, especially during the summer, it kind of united a lot of people, but at the same time, it also divided us. So I think 
as a, as a storyteller, um, we do, we do have to tell the story correctly. Um, I'm sorry, I just kind of was thinking about everything. Um, but yeah, so I think when I went to Shades, um, I really wanted, I really wanted to, um, make sure that I do get a chance to talk about this. Um, I did actually cover a Black Lives Matter, um, rally and demonstration at my own university and that was published on shades um yeah so i really wanted to make sure i did the story right and you know i even told maya because as i am i am hispanic but you know i um with maya being of um black descent i did also tell her like listen like i want to make sure that i am saying this appropriately i am saying this correctly and like please tell me if i am missing something about this story um so I wanted to make sure that things like that were being said. In addition, a lot of other interns were writing articles um, about other protests happening and so forth, because we wanted to make sure that people understood what was going on. And this isn't stopping because of the summer. It's still continuing. And there are still, um, you know, issues of race and um, racism happening in on Long Island in the country. So we just want to make sure that that is covered to the best extent as possible. I mean, okay. So like as an editor, I'm sure there's a few like, you know, checks and balances that you guys kind of have to follow. Um, even with this being like a progressive outlet, are there any like challenges that you or someone else on your team have faced when it comes to writing a certain piece or, you know, trying to cover something like a specific topic that may or may not be received too well have you ever had to deal with that kind of uh, I guess internal or external like battle yeah I I think absolutely we have we have had to deal with that um you know a perfect example um like I mentioned earlier at least with me you know writing about um Black Lives Matters movement specifically you know I do want to make sure I get the story right and the story justice but in addition, you know, we also, I don't know if you saw on our website, we also do publish op-eds as well. Um, so, you know, we obviously okay. do, you know, our, I feel like as a general staff and team, um, we do generally have a, a, the same consensus about um, social issues and so forth. Um, and, you know, as our op-eds, we do see, you know, we do tell like how we think and so forth. But we, I think the biggest challenge would be that when writing about a specific topic, we try to not put too much of our own bias into a news story. So as right. as news editor, um, I really make sure that that doesn't happen because I feel like with, as journalists, you know, everybody has a little bias in them. Everybody has their own opinion. And it is natural to put some bias into a story. Um, and I do always make sure, you know, it is that challenge when you are reporting about something um, especially if something that may be upsetting specifically to you or something that you believe that more people need to take action and um, be an activist about, you want to make sure that you're not super progressive about it, um, especially in the news piece. So I think that is a big challenge. So, you know, with the checks and balances, like you said, we that's why we do have editors. That's why we do have a style guide to double check all of us on this. And more importantly, um, we also want to make sure that the readers do understand what we are talking about, because especially with 
COVID-19 and everything happening with the vaccines and such. We've been doing a lot of articles about the updates about the vaccines. Um, we just published an article yesterday about how the CDC recommends everybody double masking now. So you do want to make sure because our audience is catered to Generation Z and even a few generations after that, you want to make sure that the language is... Um, very simple and very easy to understand. So that way um, these generations can understand the science behind it and what we're talking about. And even when we do talk about social issues, um, they understand why this is important, why this needs to be talked about and how Generation Z even why can be, can do something about this or they could form, their, they're able to form their own opinions based on the information we're giving them. So, you know, I think the challenges, like I mentioned, are really not putting our own biases, at least into news articles and kind of just say, saying the information, just stating the facts so that way Gen Z, even Gen Y can understand, absorb the information and make their own opinion and decide what to do from there. Got like what I know as far as taking the proactive steps, you know, with editing, you know, making sure everything is coming from an unbiased perspective, but with even with the forum that was held a couple of weeks ago, like, how do you guys find out, you know, like, kind of mapping out what the next article would be like, if there's an event coming up or a protest, or, you know, finding out about maybe like a new store, like anything as far as the scope of what Shades of Long Island covers? How do you guys find out, you know, about any organizations or events or anything like that? Do you have like a designated team? that works on kind of scouting or yes do you guys kind of just go go see what's trending online like what what is like yeah absolutely that? that's a great question um because i know every news outlet comes out with their comes up excuse me with their pitches differently um so i could say like at least as a reporting intern um i would meet with my i still meet with my like once a week and every week i would have at least three pitches due um, I believe the interns now still have to do that as well. Um, so that way they're consistently writing. Um, so basically, you know, when I first joined, Maya always, you know, my, she is fabulous. I could talk about her all day. But, um, but, um, but yeah, you know, she wanted, you know, the first thing she asked me, she was like, what do you like to write about? What are you interested in? You know, because obviously we all come here okay. with the interest of catering to um, minority communities in Long Island, Gen Z, you know, we have some, and some people like to write different things. So I really wanted to write things about beauty, because I'm very into the beauty community. So that's like what I started with. And then um, I really liked, you know, with everything that was going on with the 2020 election, I was writing a lot of things about that and culture, um, and even just hard news as well. And then with COVID, started writing about that a little bit more. Um, so basically, we would just come up with our own pitches. Um, and honestly, at least for my process, um, I would just come up with things on my own that I've never really explored. And then, you know, Maya would give suggestions like, okay, let's make this Long Island focus. It's a little bit too general or, hey, yeah, that's a great idea. Like just okay. make sure we always make it Long Island focus because everybody could be writing about Long the same Island thing focus. about COVID and so forth. But, yeah. you know, our thing is that it's local to Long Island. Um, but, you know, even yeah. I would find things going on on Facebook even or just looking up events going on, um, virtual events even, and say, hey, like, I think we should cover this. This is really important. I know other interns found events that they really wanted to cover. So, um, you know, they would pitch it and then we would cover it and so forth. Like, 
Um, I'm just trying to think of the other things I've covered, like the beauty brands. Um, I've covered the Black Lives Matter movement. I've also talked, I also did a piece about um, language class, like um, English language classes on Long Island. Um, and especially just talking about like our more um, immigrant communities here and how they're using the classes to, okay. you know, pass citizenship tests or even just to educate themselves in general. Um, and, you know, we've actually had some new interns come on and they're very into sports. So I feel like we never really covered sports from the time I've been here. And like, they've been doing a great job on covering different sports aspects about Long Island, whether it's just about like student athletes or even about, right. you know, then be like basketball seasons on right now. And like March, we're just stepping into March Madness. So I'm assuming they're going to start covering March Madness soon and making it long, long, long Island related and local. So Basically, everybody comes up with their own stuff. Um, and, you know, we talked to Maya about it. And Maya is very open to anything. And she always gives great feedback on our pitches and making sure, reminding us that, like, cater to Gen Z, keep it local. You know, that's as long as it's doing that um, and it's informative, then she's very go with it. So that's pretty much. No, you're fine. As a Long Islander, why do you think it's significant to have a news outlet like this, like a, a news outlet that is Long Island focused, focused more towards Gen Z, millennial, you also mentioned Gen Y, like, why is that important, especially, you know, yeah, during the, the past couple of years? Yeah, yeah, yeah no, um, absolutely. I can definitely answer that. So um, I think it really is important to have a news outlet like Shades, especially right now. Um, just because, like I mentioned, our mission is very different from other news outlets I've seen on Long Island. Um, especially, I'm going to focus more on the Gen Z aspect of this. Um, just because okay. with, just because with Gen Z, um, you know what they are so Gen Z and is like 19. Everybody debates if it starts 96, 97. I'm going to say 96 for this purpose. Um, a lot of that generation okay. is so is the most technology advanced generation that we have. We use technology the most, we use social media the most, we use, we just depend on technology for a lot of things. And especially um, there is a lot of studies that talk about how Gen Z gets a lot of their news and information from social media. And because technology is developing, we, it is so easy to misinform people on social media, on different outlets. Um, and, you know, I'm glad that a lot of social media outlets in general are making more fact checking guidelines and so forth and flagging things. Um, so I think catering to Gen Z in this way is important because it gives an outlet for them to not get their news on social media, but from a news outlet that understands what they want, understand what they want to hear about in the news and gives them that information in a language um, that they will understand very easy. And I feel like a lot of, you know, journalism is all about keeping things simple and that the public can generally understand. But I mm -hmm. feel like nobody thinks about even these younger generations mm -hmm. who also need to be informed because if you're thinking about it, the oldest people in Gen Z are turning 24, 25 this year. And those people are starting to work full-time jobs mm -hmm. and so forth. And, you know, yeah, they could go read NBC or whatever, CNN, Fox, whatever. But I feel like with us, it just, you want to find things that you care about and that you want to read about. And that's simple. And I think that's us. And if we get Gen Z first hooked to us, that's great. 
And then now the next part is, is making them aware of some of the social issues and COVID-19 updates, political updates that, um, that mattered to them and that catered to them. And it actually informs them about certain things that the bigger news outlets might not be shedding a light too much on. And especially if you're from Long Island, um, Long Island Gen Zers, this is like all about them. And they could see like, oh, this is happening a few minutes away from me. Like, is this actually happening near my town? Like, and then it it makes them help. It helps them make opinions about things. Like, maybe I should care about this a little bit more. Like, oh, if this is a recurring um, type of town hall meeting, maybe I should go next time. Maybe I should ask questions, you know, or, oh my God, I didn't know we had, um, say like, for example, a younger girl who likes makeup, like, oh, I didn't know all these brands are from Long Island. Like maybe I should like invest in them or maybe like I should look out for them and support small businesses. Um, you know, what we're doing is news. We're not trying to make anybody, um, lean a certain way left or right we're just giving people the facts and that's it obviously unless if it's an op-ed piece that's a little bit different but we just want to inform people and i think with bigger news outlets some of gen z stray away from that because they don't like the news the news is boring but when they read this you know it's fun it but it's fun it's exciting it's topics that they care about but also more importantly it informs them right. with actual facts and no in- misinformation Right. Mm -hmm. And it's local. So, you know, it's about my town or the town, you know, over it's, you know, it's a little bit more personalized. Like even when I'm like reading the articles, I feel like more connected to the stories and the issues of what's going on, as opposed to reading something much larger, like the Washington Post or the Atlantic. Um, It's amazing. The the website is amazing. Um, I noticed that there was also a a right for Mm -hmm. us section on the website. Is that something where, you know, people can submit articles or options? Yeah, absolutely. You so, you know, you don't have an internship to write for Shades of Long Island. Um, you are more than welcome to um, okay. be a contributing writer at any time, which is great. Um, just because, you know, people could write for us in their own time. And, you know, one of the reasons why I first started here is because it was so flexible about the scheduling and so forth. Um, you know, Maya is very considerate about that. You know, a lot of us are still in school or we do have another job or we are, um, you know, in grad school, you know. So, yeah, if you basically go on the form, um, you know, you give your quick pitch with your contact information um, and it tells you like what your pitch should include and so forth. And, you know, you could start anybody could start writing for us and like, you know, um, we could easily. Yeah, we could Mm -hmm. easily guide people. Um, You know, I've helped guide, you know, not for shades, but in other internships and outlets that I've worked at. Um, I've helped guide so many writers who's never written a journalism piece before, um, who's never been published and help them, you know, that's what we're here for. And we're here to find people who are who are passionate about what our mission is, and, you know, to help inform other people about it. So if someone wanted to, like, submit the right for us, um, I guess it's like an application. Um, is there a process where somebody would like reach out to them and kind of give them the information they would need? Um, any steps that wait, if they were approved, I guess, like I'm trying to figure out like what the step process is. If somebody like me kind of wanted to get more involved with Shades of Long Island, what would, what would I do? Yeah. So what you would do is fill out this form. That would be um, great, obviously. 
So you would fill out your name, phone, email. I'm literally looking at the form right in front of us. Um, <laughs> and literally, um, you know, if you're just interested in getting involved and you don't have a story idea, you definitely can just say like, hi, you know, my name is blank. I'm interested in this. Like, can you tell me more about it? Like, how do I get involved? And this actually links directly to Maya's email. So Maya will be the one getting back to whoever contacts it. Um, and she, like I said, is she is a doll. She is super helpful. Um, and she's an amazing boss. Um, mm -hmm. and, um, but yeah, even people who have a pitch in mind or they want to write a story, you know, they could definitely write their pitch and the pitch guidelines are also on that form as well. So, you know, you know how to pitch it. And then Maya would be the one getting back to you about what are the next steps after that and so forth. So yeah, anybody could definitely fill out the form. And then okay. you would go from there and talk to Maya and then she would guide you from there to the next steps. Okay. So is Maya the founder of Shades of Long Island? Or... Yes, she is. Wow. So she is okay. the founder and editor in chief. Founder and, and do you know when Shades was founded? Was it recently or? I believe it was in 2018, 2019. You definitely would have to confirm with her, but I know for sure it was 2018, 2019 around then. So okay. we're fairly new. Like we're, we've been around for about only two years. Okay. Mm -hmm. And you guys currently, you have a website. Are you guys working on an app um, or, or is your website like friend, uh, phone friendly? Or? Yeah. So our website is phone friendly. Um, okay. You could go on it from a tablet, phone. Um, we don't print anything um, as okay. it is. The journalism world is becoming more digital. So as of right now, we're sticking with the website. Um, I haven't, you know, Maya hasn't mentioned to me about possibly doing an app, although that would be a great idea. Um, but yeah, so as far as of right now, we are on only online, but we also are on all social media platforms. So Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, um, LinkedIn oh, wow. as well. Um, we do not okay. have Snapchat, but yeah, we have all different types of social media. And we like to also publish, quote unquote, slash share all of our articles published um on our social medias um but in addition okay. we also if there's like an event going on or that's something we heard about or uh we just want to make we just want to tell people like a breaking news update that's kind of national um we would just make a social media post about it and post about it on there so yeah okay wow okay um so are there any events that shades will be attending and because I, I didn't see anything um, on the website. I don't know if you guys post like a calendar event where there are things coming up that you guys will be attending or are you just advertising? Yeah, um, so, um, yeah, so I know, um, I'm so sorry. Um, so I know um, that when Maya used to have, again, this was before I was on the team, but Maya used to have like networking events and things like that. She would update it on the website. And I've like, I've talked to her about possibly updating about our calendar if we are doing anything. We have not planned any events as of right now to have just because, um, you know, the world is so digital. And I think right now we're more just focusing on our reporting and such just because there are so many things going on in the news, especially with COVID and so forth. Um, and oh, yeah. because we got a new president in January. So that is a very big thing. Um, yeah. But also, yeah, so if we have any events, we would definitely post it on our calendar on our website. Um, but we don't really post the things that we are covering. So like, say for example, like, um, like there is an event that we hear about, but like no one can really cover it, I guess. We would try to advertise it on our social media 
or at okay. least like, you know, put a, put a post like, Hey, like, I don't know, Freeport is having the, this group and in Freeport is having this event here, eight o'clock, here's the zoom link, you know, um, okay. sometimes okay. lately we've been doing things like that. Um, I don't know specific, I'm assuming like Maya again, deals more with all of the advertising stuff. And I know, like I said, we do have marketing interns. I deal with more of just the reporting and the editing, but, um, but yeah, we've been doing that lately as well. Um, you know, even on our Instagram, you know, our Instagram feed is actually some, some of it is happening on our website. Um, and yeah, like you'll see it here, you know, different things. Like I'm just trying to look at our Instagram, like it'll show like an advertisement. It's like happening on Facebook live. Here's where it is. So, yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, so I guess my last question, which you, I probably know the answer to. So this is focused more towards like, you know, Gen Z. So is that reflected with the staff, um, with the interns? Like, are you guys all, you know, college age, like in college, that whole 1996, um, I guess, age group, like what's, I guess, the staffing looking like for Shades? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, Maya herself is, um, she is 24. I believe she's turning 25 this year. Wow, um, yeah, so really? she is really- And she started Shades. Yeah, she is really young. Wow. Um, so definitely, um, I don't know if, if you interviewed her yet, but definitely- no, her. I haven't. But, yeah, but I I will be reaching out to her. Yeah, like even <laughs> all her media is like 1996, so I know she was born then. So yeah, and like with me, I'm Gen Z, so I'm 22 right now. I was born in 99. Um, so yeah, and I, I with most of our interns, so um, I know they are definitely either still in college or at least in grad school, or they graduated undergrad and they're just you know doing this internship for now. Um, or if they want to stay on with us, that'll be great. Um, but yeah, so most of us are in the Gen Z age. I don't think anyone is Gen Y as of right now. Um, but yeah, like as far as I know, all of us are Gen Z. So it's really cool. You know, that's why I was saying like, it's really great because, you know, I didn't mention this earlier, like all of us, that's, a, you know, this is why this is a great question. All of us are Gen Z as far as I know. And, um, you know, we are writing for people our age. So, you know, right. if Gen Z people learn like, wow, it's people my age writing about for me. And so like, it's like, we get it. We know what language they want to hear, you know, like right. we use AP style in our pieces, but we also, you know, would be a little bit more casual in writing our pieces as well. You know, it's not so, it is professional but it's not super super formal it's supposed to be fun and so forth and give off a good vibe like even our newsletters um if you end up subscribing melissa um you know when i make them i like to make them super fun like i try to add like gifts and things like that in there and like you know even maya when we do like we add like emojis and like hashtag and things like that to make it a little bit more fun and cater to those gen that gen z audience so yeah right Wow, that is amazing. You're 22 years old. I give you props like that, you know, taking on this position is, you know, definitely something that I feel not enough people are doing. And at such a young age, I'm, I can see you're going to have a lot more coming up. <laughs> I'm excited to see what else shades have to offer. Mm -hmm. No, thank you so it's much. Amazing. That's so nice of you Seriously, to say. <laughs> wow. wow, wow.
Okay. I'm 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 a millennial. I'm a little bit right. I'm right on the cusp. I'm a 1995. Okay. So, you know, but I can, I still like, even for myself, it's something when I'm re- looking at your articles and looking at how the website is even laid out, it's, it's user-friendly. It's something that is engaging. Like I liked, I liked moving around on the website. Everything was easy to find. And it, like you said, the the writing is informative, but it's also a little bit more informal. Um, it's not like cut dry. It's 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 something that I enjoy reading the articles. I share it with my friends. So it's definitely something, even though it's catered to more towards Gen Z, it definitely has the means to be read for a much larger demographic. I, I think it's amazing that you guys are able to do that. Mm-hmm. No, definitely. Um, it's been such an honor being here. Um, I think this is definitely my favorite. I guess like this is like what I'm doing now. Um, but I guess like favorite internship I've ever had, literally. And I've had two other internships, so it's been really amazing being here and being on the team. So, yeah. And I'm saying this. See, this is. I'm. I'm really happy that we got to touch base and we got to talk about this. Like, I really appreciate you taking the time to come on today. Yeah. No. So, absolutely, Melissa. You were such a pleasure to talk to as well. <laughs> thank you. I will definitely be in touch. I'll reach out to you and I'll reach out to Maya, and we'll kind of organize how and how and when we should kind of set this up. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Please like reach out to me if you have any questions or anything like that. Okay, cool. All right. I might I might submit a a write for us piece. I might submit an application. Yes, we love that. All right, cool. Thank you so much, Gabby. No problem. Have a good one, Melissa. You too. Bye. All right, bye. Okay, again, that was Miss Gabby Pardo speaking on the news outlet Shades of Long Island. You can find out more about Shades by going to their website, shadesoflongisland.com. That is all one word, shadesoflongisland.com. Now I'd like to introduce my second guest, Mr. Christoval. Okay, hello, hello. I have Christopher Dorval. Christopher Dorval. Christopher Dorval. All right, even better. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> All right, so we're actually, this is my first in-person interview. Super excited, super happy to see you. It's been a while. How you been? been, I've been uh, pretty good. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. How have you been? I've been good. I've been good. I am, I just want to start off, I'm so impressed. I I said it before, Mm -hmm. that video, the film, I want to call it a film. Mm -hmm. It was amazing. Seriously, seriously. I remember seeing you at some protests, like running to catch an angle, running to get a certain angle. Like, I was like, what is this guy doing? And wow, wow, I just, I I mean, congratulations. I really, it's been getting a lot of views. I hope it continues to blow up. Yeah. Um, There's even, I don't know if you heard of Shades of Long Island. Mm -hmm. I spoke with one of the editors earlier today, actually. They are a millennial Gen Z focused Mm -hmm. news outlet. Yeah. And I'm telling you, they would love to like publish that. I actually talked to them. Really? Yeah, I actually, um, so basically uh, you mentioned, uh, you know, the film getting views and stuff like yeah. that um you know like it's been like kind of like under the radar like i've only gotten like what we're, we're about at like i would say like 900 like 50 something viewers yeah um and i've just been trying to promote the film like every single day whether it be like making trailers or just reaching out to like other groups out in long island on social media yeah and i um i reached out to them and they reached out back 
and we had a whole interview and it was pretty good right? so uh, i don't know what they're doing i don't know when they're gonna like publish it or do something that's up to them but uh, yeah we did something so. that's awesome yeah. i actually because i spoke to the editor and then i'm also going to reach out to the founder so mm -hmm. i will touch base on that because yeah. that is something i definitely would want to even share on westbury's side if i could yeah yeah that is awesome yeah okay after restart so like my first question is what inspired you to make this film like well oh sorry i gotta stop moving <laughs> the chair's making noises you're fine um, it's kind of funny because when I first started filming, I wasn't intending on making a film. Okay. The intention was to just film. It was just to go out there and um, just capture something because being somebody that wants to make films, you know, just in general, I, you know, you always have to start somewhere, but I didn't exactly know where to start. Because I figured, well, if you're going to film, you have to film something. But mm. there was really nothing that I thought that would need to be filmed okay. out there. And then, you know, the protests started happening. And uh, it was the day that I got accepted into Hofstra University, which... Congratulations. Honestly, yeah, you can say that. But for me, I'm not really a college person. I'm more of like a do-it-yourself independent type of guy. Okay. So when I got that news, I was kind of just like, eh, whatever, like, okay. Okay. But, um, like, my sister came and we were talking about it. Uh, she was like, oh, you know, you know, you want to make films and this and that and blah, blah, blah. You know, with most artists, you know, it's understandable like, you want to learn the aspects of whatever craft you want to pursue within the arts and then start to create. But the reality is, is that, you know, uh, like the greatest, well, I, don't, I don't even know, I don't even know if I want to say that, but, you know, just artists in general, they just start. They don't, you know, they don't, you know, some people, they, you know, learn everything that they need to know and then they start and others just start and then they learn as they go. Okay. And uh, that's basically what she encouraged me to do. And I thought about it and I was like, yeah. And then after that, the idea of what to film came to me because the protests were happening. Right. So as soon as I really let that idea marinate within my mind, it kind of just clicked. It kind of just checked out either way because there was stuff to actually film. So I could go out and just start filming. So that's a little bit of context as to um, what led me to filming. Um what turned it into an actual film was just me continuing to like be out there. Okay. So the more I went out there, the more I continued to show up to protests, the more I started to travel. The idea of it turning into a film uh, came to mind. It was like, okay. like say, like say you take a a snowball, okay, right, and you roll it down a mountain, okay, and then it just keeps on going and going and getting bigger and bigger up until it turns into this huge entire. Like, you know, like mega avalanche. Ball. Exactly. <laughs> avalanche. Okay. You know, and that's basically what the film was. It okay. was just a simple idea of just going out there and filming stuff. And then the idea, it started it to form. It kind of came to you. And it turned, okay. into, it turned into the avalanche. Okay. Yeah. That's awesome. So was this something as far as, because you said you're, you already had experience and an interest in film. Mm. Would this be like a first project for you? Yeah. Or do you, oh, wow. Yeah, this, is, this is basically wow. my first film. 
I mean, you wow. know. And are you self-taught with like the editing and everything like yeah, that? Yeah, basically. Wow. I, I, wow. I haven't really. And I honestly, I would rather prefer that. Okay. Rather than actually, you know, going to classes and stuff like that. There's nothing wrong with, you know, going to a university or some sort of an institution to learn, right. you know, skills. But for me personally, I feel like I do best teaching myself. Okay. And learning by myself and doing, you know these things like editing and filming right. by myself. You know, I don't feel as if, and I'm not, I'm not knocking anybody else right, that needs right. those type of things. Yeah. And they definitely do come with their benefits. But for me, I feel like I just excel best right. when I'm on my own. Right. You know, so. And I could see that. Like the editing, <laughs> it, it's phenomenal. Like I felt mm -hmm. like I was watching a movie. Mm -hmm. I, what I really liked, you know, most of the film was in black and white, yeah. and it kind of gave it that, like, old feeling, mm -hmm. you know, with the initial civil rights movement. Mm -hmm. Was that your motivation or inspiration behind making it black and white? So, all right, there are two reasons <laughs> as to why the film is in a monochrome. Okay. First, monochrome, yeah. thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, the first reason, um, from a technical standpoint... The camera that I shot the film on mm -hmm. was a Nikon D5200, okay. right? It's a DSLR that came back in like the early 2010s, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. So shooting the film in color okay. would not, it, it, it didn't come out as good as it did uh, in black and white. Okay. So, you know, from a technical aspo uh, standpoint, um, I had to shoot it in black and white because it looked much more cleaner. It looked much more solid, much more smoother. Yeah. Um, it wouldn't look as choppy as it would look like if I were to have shot the film in color. Okay. So from a technical aspect, I had to shoot it in black and white for the quality of the film okay. alone. Okay. Now, for a more symbolic aspect, shooting it in monochrome in black and white, um, like... It it really it really is sad to say, but when you go back to the fifties and the sixties and the seventies, and you see these people fighting for their lives, fighting for equal rights, fighting to be treated like human beings, right? You know, when you look back on those days, the footage is in monochrome; it's in black and white. Yeah. yeah. So really, I wanted. To, I hope that people, for me, the reason as to why I shot it in black and white is to really show people that, you know, this, unfortunately, is still the same fight that we've been fighting since the 60s and the 70s. Right. You know, so um, it's, it's just, I don't know how to put it into words. It's like a, it's, it's, it's. It's a sad continuation of right. the reality of America right. in, you know, in regards to people of color right. and indigenous people. Absolutely. So, um, yeah, it's basically showing that this is still the same fight that we fought back all the way then. And I think so, it was powerful, yeah. you know, aside from the technical reasons, I mm -hmm. also think it, it is symbolic. It really yeah. is. There was a scene that, because there was a couple of shots that are in color. Mm -hmm. There was a scene, you know, with Terrell mm. and that incident when, you know, it looked honestly like mm. the officer walked into his path. Yeah, in East Meadow. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Were you there when you filmed that or was that footage that you had collected for the film? All right. So this is, all right. So there's a bit of a story to this. Everything, you know, every scene, every shot, there's always a story to it. So... 
But that, all right, so the only pieces of footage that are in color, they are not from me. Those are uh, those are pieces of footage that I collected, you know, from okay. just the internet. Um, I was not there. Okay. But the day that I started filming, which was on June 13th, that was the same day that I saw that video of him being arrested. Really? Yeah. So the day I saw that video, that was the first day that um, I started filming. And ironically enough, a few protests later, that's when I, I see there's a protest that's happening. That's no, that was my fourth protest, which was in East Meadow. Okay. And then that was, and that was the protest. It was like, um, it was a protest, that protest in East Meadow uh, that happened that day. That was the first time that I saw Terrell. And that protest happened because of what happened back on, I believe, June 12th. Really? Which was... Uh, when you see uh, Terrell being arrested, okay. Um, I th I hope I'm accurate with with those dates. I don't know. Okay. If I'm, okay. Yeah. Ballpark. We're ballpark. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly in the ballpark. So I saw Terrell for the first time that day in East Meadow, and um, yeah, yeah. Okay. That was uh, footage that I collected, and uh, ironically enough, when I saw that, that was uh, the first day that I started filming. Okay. And. It's uh, it's it's funny because when I went to the East Meadow protests uh, that reacted towards Terrell's arrest in the last East Meadow protest, yeah, um, I was gonna film. I was there to shoot that day, but my battery died, so I had to go all the way back home. I couldn't film that day. I was so stressed out. I only got like a little, a little bit of footage, but not not really anything. So I had to go back home. I got so stressed out. I literally, believe it or not ate like 10 ice cream bars that day <laughs> and then ironically enough the next day um i had to oceanside okay and excuse me i had to oceanside and uh we're marching we're protesting we get a little bit of flack for some from some random lady that's driving around trying mm -hmm. to hassle us and once it gets to the end Terrell pops up. Okay. And then uh, Terrell and Dre pop up, the brothers. Yeah. They join in, and that's where we actually met okay. for the first time. So I tell him what I'm all about. He tells me what he's all about, and uh, we just clicked like that. Um, and it's funny because after that protest, Dre and Terrell, they were going to take over. But since I showed up and since we... Terrell and I met, they couldn't do anything because, like, the crowd was already gone and Dre right. got so mad because he was like, you know, Terrell, what are you doing? Like, we're trying to take this thing over. We're trying to, like, get it going. Right. But it was too late. But, uh, you know, things happen for a reason, obviously, you know, as you see with the film. Right. And, uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, that was, like, the, uh, yeah, that was uh, footage I was collecting. Okay. So. You know, there were definitely, you know, there are some scenes in there because you know, I experienced my own, you know, form of I, I, it was aggression. Mm -hmm. uh, I was I feel like I was verbally assaulted at mm -hmm. some of these protests that I went to. Mm -hmm. And you caught some of those moments there. There was a scene where this woman, I think this was in Merrick, but I'm not sure. She was like, why don't you guys all go back to Queens? All go back to where you came from. Oh, that was something uh, like that. that. Was it in Patchogue? No, that was or in Kings, that was oh, in Kings Park. Kings Park. Okay, yeah. but that was just like, and they're all like, "We live here. Exactly. We're residents exactly. here." Exactly. You know, but exactly. like the the underlying message behind that—that that go back to where exactly. you came from. Yeah. Like to film that 
to kind of just be a third person just to film the moment. How was that for you, to film a, mo- a scene like that? There are other <laughs> moments like that to kind of like, let me not say anything, yeah. let me just capture it. Like, yeah. how was that for you? Well, I, I mean, and not only just that moment, but so many others. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Honestly, it's, 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 man, like, go back to Queens. Yeah. Like, yeah, what does that mean, it's you know? So, it's really so eye-opening, yeah. especially for somebody like me, because, like, you have to understand, growing up in a place like Elmont, yeah. it's the majority, it's, it's a predominantly, uh, it's a predominant minority town. Right. Uh, yeah, the town is predominantly minority based. So, you know, it's funny. We, we, you know, we say that people out there in Eastern Long Island, they live in this bubble, this white bubble. Yeah. But, you know, I've been living in a bubble of my own. I haven't really been able to experience, you know, um, you know, white people. I've been, I haven't really been able to experience, you know, these new environments where they might not be as welcoming to people like me and people of color. So being able to really see this hostility and all of these rash, rude, ignorant comments, it was really an eye-opening experience to really let me know what lies behind, you know, these, you know, these neighborhoods or what lies within these neighborhoods. Complete 180. Exactly. So to see these people saying these things, you know, it's kind of funny. (laughs) Because, like, you know, these people are obviously just so ignorant and, you know, they're just... Withdrawn, you know? Yeah, and they're not really... They just don't understand what they're saying. Yeah. But um, it really was eye-opening. It's kind of shocking to really see that people really have these mindsets. Yeah. And to see that people are really, you know, brought up in a way that, you know, leads them to acting like this. Yeah. You know, when you look at human nature you know people like to say if the you like you have like for example you have like a bad person in front of you and somebody likes to have a debate saying uh you know well it was it's their nature and another person would like to say oh no it's their it's it's the way that they were nurtured right but really it's both okay you know like uh the education you know just simple education about just life. It's so critical and it's so vital. And um, if you miseducate somebody, if you if you if you fill their head and with a bunch of misinformation, mm-hmm. if you don't you know expose them to the world for what it really is, right. it could really mess them up, and it could really allow for them to make certain actions that'll be detrimental to other people. Yeah, you know, not only within their lives, but you know, within the lives of others. Yeah. So it's like you want to be angry and you have every right to be because I was definitely angry Mm -hmm. at a lot of moments. But like you said, it's coming from a place of just not knowing, not being exposed. Miseducation. Um, Miseducation, misinformation. Absolutely. But, you know, I'm it's that that was hard for me to even watch. Like I was kind of I had I like re-experienced those feelings, those moments that, you know, I had throughout the summer. And it wasn't everywhere. Mm -hmm. You know, it seemed like the more I went out east, the more I was met with that kind of, you know, pushback. But 
it, it was really amazing to kind of see that you captured moments like that because yeah. that's a perspective that I typically didn't see on mainstream media. Like even News 12, I didn't see that aspect. I yeah. saw, you know, the more catchy aspect of like we riders yeah. and, you know, exactly. or kind of, you know, exactly, agitated, bro. aggravated, exactly. causing traffic. And it's like, you know, you know, like you want, like people. There's want, a reason why we're out here. Exactly. There's a reason as to why people are writing. There's a reason as to people. There's a reason as to why people are, you know, prote- protesting in the streets. There's a reason yeah. as to why all of these things are happening. Yet you don't want to focus on that. You don't yeah. want to expose that. You don't want to bring that to light. So it's just like, well, right. you're gonna just push this false narrative. You know. You know, trying to say that people are just, you know, causing a ruckus, you know, just because they want to exactly, just because they want to cause a ruckus. No, there are reasons for it. Right. You know, ignorance. Right. You know, miseducation, misinformation. Right. Right. You know, police brutality. Absolutely. All of these things. And we we saw all of that in your film. All of that was all of these things that plague people of color. Right. Which bring them to these, you know, extreme points. Yeah. To, you know, to, to make acts, you know, to where they just can't take it anymore. Yeah. Like, there are reasons for it. Right. So, you know, that little phase within the film where you see, you know, the lady in Kings Park telling to go, telling everybody else to go back to where they came from. Yeah. Even though they were from Kings Park themselves. Right, right. Or hearing the people in Huntington being ignorant. Yeah. You know, really, that was a showcase of white ignorance. Yeah, Absolutely. So, And, you know, that kind of leads to my next point that I wanted to bring up. Just how smartphones, how us having the the capability, the ability to record, how that has helped us change the narrative and show perspective that wasn't seen before, especially during the spark of the civil rights movement back in the late 50s. We now all have a camera in our pocket. You have your camera, you know, able to capture these moments. So I kind of wanted to speak a little bit on that. How do you feel that this has kind of helped us in a way to change the perspective and change the narrative of being a protester, being a person of color in America, being a black person in America? It's, you know, for somebody who's, you know, a black person, especially within the States, it's incredibly important. It's vital that we have stuff like this. Yeah. You know, like, listen, if we didn't have cameras, if we didn't have you know film then we would most likely you know i i don't know i don't even know if me saying this might be completely accurate but if we didn't have stuff like cameras or i don't know if me saying this would be true but honestly i feel like if we didn't have cameras and you know technology that allowed us to film certain things then we would be there's a good chance that we not we might not have made the amount of progress you know, as Absolutely. a people, I, yeah, you know, I that agree. we've made I you know, agree. throughout history. Yeah. Like if Emmett Till, if Emmett Till's picture was never taken in that Can casket. You ima- yep. Whole, Can you could imagine? you imagine? That was the spark. I believe that was yeah. the spark of the civil rights movement. Could you imagine, you know, how, you know, how much, how, you know, little we, you know, we would have progressed. Right. Had not, had that picture not been taken. Absolutely. You know. Even, even, you know, something even more recent with George Floyd, which was, you know, one of the sparks of the increase of the Mm -hmm. the protesting, that footage was taken by a 17-year-old woman, Mm -hmm. a young woman. I I forget her name, but as far as the body camera footage, I haven't seen full footage of that yet. But that, Mm -hmm. the whole, I think the 
I forget how long the, her actual video was, but that was taken by an outside person. Yeah. That was something, if we never had that before, if we didn't have these smartphones, we may not have ever exactly. seen or exactly. heard the outrage, everyone else trying to exactly. like intervene. Like exactly. that would have just been law enforcement perspective, exactly. had their testimony. Exactly. Had that girl, whoever she was, not filmed that. Yeah. The body cams probably would have stayed hidden right. to the public. Right. You know, George Floyd would have just been another name yep. that would have never been known. Yep. And, you know, the constant, you know, brutality yeah. of people of color and indigenous people would just continue to perpetuate. Yeah. And it would just increase more and more and more. Now, you say that you didn't watch the body cams, but for me, I did. You did. I watched both body cams okay. um, of uh, two officers that were involved in that incident. And, you know, people like to say, I would like read the comments, you know, they would say, oh, you know, it's a false narrative, this and that. People are outraged for like no reason. No, mm -hmm. they're outraged for the right reasons because watching those body cams from yeah. beginning to end, wow. even with the way how the officers approached mm -hmm. him was wrong. Okay. You had, I, I think it was Derek Chauvin. Okay. And with the way, every little thing matters. Yeah. Like, it's so crazy how people, especially police officers, tend to just act as if they could just really act a certain, like, act however they want to. Right. Just because they have, you know, you know, a fucking, you know, iron on their hip and a taser. Yeah. It's just, it's ridiculous. Like, the guy, he went up. And he went up to uh, George Floyd's side of the car with a gun, you know, tapping it on the window saying, you know, get out of the fucking car, you know, which set him off. Okay. You know, people can say, like, watching the footage, okay, like, listen, George Floyd, he was acting irrational, but there is a reason for it. Right. If you're a black man being, you know, approached by the police, especially if you have something in your system... All right, like I could see as to why he would act a certain way. Right. He doesn't want anything happening to him. He has had a history, yes, but all of those things don't matter. Right. They really don't. Right. If you can't approach somebody in a respectful way and in a respectful manner, and if you're not able to calm them down, yeah. you know, and if you're not able to, you know, assess and control a situation where nobody is freaking out, right. you know... Where, you know, and if you're not able to keep any everything at bay, you probably should not be a police officer. Absolutely. Like, I agree. You need to know how to approach situations in a way that's professional. Yeah. You need to know how to approach situations in a way that causes nobody to act irrational, regardless of whatever, you know, might be happening. Yeah. You have to be able to calm things down and to handle things in an ideal manner. Yeah. You can't just fucking act... Sorry for the... <laughs> but it's ridiculous. It's just like you can't just act, you know... Yeah, yeah, you know. You're in right. any type of way. You're right. In any type of, you know, manner just because you feel like you can. No, you're on... You have an important job. Yeah. You're here to protect and serve... Absolutely. ...the people. And you need to treat... And you need to treat just... The, you need to treat this job as important as you possibly can. Right. You know, and with that, you know, with great power, you know, I'm not Uncle Ben, but with <laughs> great power comes great responsibility. No, you're right. You're absolutely right. And these people need to be responsible for not only their actions, but the way 
in which they act. Right. So. There, there need, and there needs to be some form of accountability exactly. like across the board. And I feel like, you know, as more people, I feel like the average person does have a smartphone yeah. and is able to film and capture these moments. And, you know, it's one thing, I don't really call it justice because mm-hmm. if someone is harmed or, God forbid, killed, mm-hmm. you can't really get justice because the life was lost. But exactly. accountability, exactly. that is a really big thing. And, and I'm hoping that's something that smartphones cameras can continue yeah. to do not only hold people not, accountable not only accountable for their actions but for the way that they act okay for the way that they act yeah like i don't on i honest like it's ridiculous i don't think people understand how much a little you know i don't think people are able to like well i don't want to say that because i can't speak for all people i can only speak for myself okay but it's kind of crazy how people can just not realize or tend to see you know how much of an effect a simple you know action could you know right have your tone of voice even your your body language you know what i mean like that will make or break a situation every every little thing matters yeah every little thing matters it's not just now right it's been like that ever since the beginning of society ever since the beginning of time everything every little thing matters yeah I remember my my sister, you know, I was just chilling out, right? Sitting on the heater, don't ask why. It was cold. All right. Um, and she was talking to me about, like, one of her favorite films that, like, she watched. Um, and one of the favorite things that she liked about it was uh, a line that was said. She was like, um, it was, um, you know, you don't know how far the actions you don't know how far your actions go okay i i don't know if that's the exact quote the film is called wanted okay it's not that really good it's not that good but right. still um yeah you don't know how far your actions go okay and like that really means something a lot and that's something that these police fo- police officers should really take into account yeah. you know like i saw a video of um Perfect example, you know, a lot of people like to say that George Floyd was acting irrational, right? But Mm -hmm. I remember seeing this video of a police officer getting into, basically getting into like uh, a physical altercation with this one gentleman who was a black person. And he, he took him to the ground and watching the video, I was like, shit, man, I'm about to watch another, you know, video of like police brutality. This is going to suck. But no. The way how he took him down and the way how he brought him down, he was able to calm him down. Right. He 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 was able to, you know, completely change the situation. Okay. He was able to actually calm the gentleman down. Right. Even though it got physical, he was able to calm him down in a way that was not detrimental to this black man's body. Okay. You know, state of you know physical state. Or mental state, okay. he was able to calm him down, right? And they were able to walk arm in arm, right? And they were able, and the whole entire situation was just able to just die down and de-escalate. That's, de-escalate, that's the whole exactly. Thing. That's yeah. the word that I was trying to find. Yeah. Thank you. No, no, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But um, like, how come? It's really sad to see that there are officers like that, you know, that you know, um, are willing to take the more aggressive approach right. rather than officers, you know, 
It, it's sickening. I even, um, I talked about this a little bit earlier. There is footage that I saw that happened back in December 2019, because I live in Freeport, mm. and um, a, a gentleman named Akbar, I hope I'm saying his name right, but this was between Freeport police officers, mm-hmm. and he's suing the county because he was assaulted. I and heard of that. Yeah, and like I saw the video for the first time, like like a week ago, mm-hmm. and I was outraged. I'm like, this is my town. Yeah. There are eight officers on this one person. At one point, I saw an officer punch him in the back. He's already on the ground. You've got six officers on him. The other two are on the side, and then one of them just goes in for a punch. It's it's it's, it's insane. And you know what? It was a third person recording it. Someone it looks like from a window from an apartment or a house, and they're recording it. Yeah. And who knows? how that story would have played out if we did not have that footage, exactly. you know, like you it's, know? it's, and this is the thing, like we need to keep having our cameras out. Mm. We need to keep having our phones out, take this footage and hopefully it gets to the point. Keep, we see people being held accountable for their actions, the way they act. And, you know, I think it does make a difference because now, you know, Andrew Cuomo had set out, you know, that, um, he had, he had put out that notice a while ago for police officers to all kind of work on a, a new reform for all their drafts. Mm-hmm. I went to a forum with my own town and they, you know, had included things about being more inclusive, having outreach programs, increasing their own body cams. Mm-hmm. So they're making a budget for that. So every officer that is on the scene on the street has a body cam. So I, I think us doing that does make a difference. Yeah. I think we need to continue doing that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, film, you know, for me, being able to capture something, being able to film something, regardless yeah. of whether it's something, you know, in a documentarian type of fashion yeah. or something for story, yeah, um, it's more important than people think. Yeah, it, really it absolutely is. is. You know, um, about that, I mean... Like, it's cool to see, you know, you have the George Floyd Housing uh, Act, I believe. Housing Act, I, I don't know if that's the correct term. But you have, uh, I know there's like an act that was passed by Congress mm. surrounding the George Floyd incident. Okay. Um, I don't know if you heard about that. No, no. No. Um, yeah, it just got passed. There were like a lot of uh, changes to like policing, I believe. I don't know everything have about it. Have somebody to look into. Yeah. yeah. I'll look into it. But then again, at the same time, you know, like I think about it, like I'm not, I'm really not into politics like that. I'm yeah. kind of just, you know. Yeah. Living. We're just here to experience yeah. it. Well, like we see it and we experience yeah. it and that is is enough, yeah. you know, like yeah. to talk on your own experience. Yeah. Definitely. Um, You know, for some, like for me, I just, I would like to, even though I'm not like super, even though I'm like it, not like that involved into these things, I would like to see, I feel like it would be more beneficial if people of color were in these positions of power in order to make these changes and these new laws and stuff like that because they're actually a part of, you know, like the group that's being marginalized and the group right. that's being oppressed. Right. So, you know, it's cool to see people like, you know, Cuomo and other people on, on Congress make these decisions. But, you know, and uh, I know that there are people of color on Congress, mm. but, you know, I would really like to just have more of that. More you know? of a representation. Exactly. And I think, and I'm really big on being local. I think that starts locally. Yeah. Like I myself, I'm trying to get more involved in like what's going on in my town and mm-hmm. what's going on in my county. And I think that's kind of how you 
build your way up. Yeah. I mean, as myself, I don't see myself going into politics, but just knowing who's running the area, yeah. knowing what questions to ask based yeah. on what's going on, I think that kind of helps us, you know, as, you know, black, yeah, black community mm. to know who to vote for. Yeah. If there's somebody that you have in mind locally, like, hey, you should probably run for office. Like, I don't know exactly how petitions work, but I think being local mm. is really fundamental into kind of getting a, a bigger grand scheme of things. Absolutely. And yeah. I mean, you get enough people involved, you continue to stay organized, maybe somebody's going to be inspired to run mm. for office. Make like a ripple effect. Yeah. Um, but one of the points I did want to ask you on, because again, film is amazing. I'm mm. going to keep gassing you up on that. Mm. What is next? Like, do you feel like this is something that you have a knack for? Are you going to continue making films like this, continue capturing moments like this? Or are you trying to, you know, focus on something else? Like, do you have another project in mind, another film in mind? All right. So this is the thing. Um, You know, I'm just trying. Honestly, I'm really just trying to, you know, the goal right now is to kind of just try to make the film go viral because okay. this is, you know, from, you know, from, from two standpoints, from, you know, from like a more symbolic standpoint, like I really want people to see this because it's important, especially within people of Long Island. People yeah. need to see themselves. Yes. You know, this island honestly needs to be exposed. Yeah, you know, I agree. With the history that it's had, you know, in terms of how, housing segregation, you know, to all of the other stuff. Yeah. People need to see this island for what it is. People yeah. need to see the way how, you know, this island has reacted to the protests, to, you know, everything that's happened last year. Yeah. Um, it needs to be seen. And um, honestly, I hope, and I do believe that this film could, you know, possibly go national. I, 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 I wouldn't be surprised. You know, in order for, like, people to really see what's going on, because yeah. it's a cycle. Yeah. You know, when you watch the film, I don't know if people out there are able to really see, but, you know, every time someone dies, we go out there, we yep. fight for them. Yep. And then we just stop. And yeah. then it just happens over again, and, and over again. and over and yeah. over and over again. You know, it needs to stop. We need yeah. to keep on going up yeah. until... You know, it just... We see the effects of it. Exactly. Yeah, like some real, like, progressive change. Because you know, like, it's, it's traumatizing. Yeah. It really is traumatizing. And there needs to be just more strides being made. Like, yeah. release unreleased footage that I've shot throughout my protesting journey. Okay. I've, there are only eight to nine protests shown within the film, but in actuality, I've been to 46. This Saturday, it's about to make number 47. And I've been able to capture so many clips... You know, some really eye-opening uh, things, um, you know, like I've made some trailers in order to, like, put out there yeah. that will be shown within uh, that those clips that are shown uh, within the trailers, they will be put into the uh, compilations. Okay. So uh, I'm hoping that I could at least reach, like, 50 protests. Okay. Um, and then, like, make, like, uh, compilations, uh, like, maybe, like, uh, like, three... I don't know, like volumes or something like that. Okay. Of uh, all of the unreleased footage. Okay. You know, of, you know, the protests that I've been to. And then after that, that's really going to be it. Maybe okay. I'm maybe going to um, 
make like a little video of me like discussing the film and stuff like that. That would be interesting. And yeah. then after that, that's really it for the whole this for this whole movement MVMT journey. Okay. My it the this film this came out of nowhere. This was not planned. Right. This was all something that just happened. Right. Like that. So um the original plan was to just, you know, I already have ideas for films that I want to make. So uh, they aren't documented. They're completely different. They're just story narrative driven. You know, I have my own weird ideas in my head that I want to, you know, create and turn into a reality for people to see on the big screen. So um, after all of this is done, after the uh, compilations, the volumes are put out and the uh, discussion, that's mainly going to be it. Okay. Um, yeah. So those are... Uh, my plans and the next film the next like film uh it's a feature film okay so uh it's like my first feature i don't know how i don't know how i'm gonna pull it off but then again at the same time i do believe in myself uh, yeah if i was I if i'm able that. to believe if i mean if i'm able to pull a film like this off then you know i can do whatever I want to. exactly absolutely um the film is about you know people trying keyword trying to come together in order to make a short film. It's really simple. Okay. But to, uh, uh, it's going to be able to delve into so many complex themes and uh, narratives and stuff like that. Simplicity for me is key. Because yeah. when you start from something simple, mm -hmm. you're going to be able to branch off into so many different avenues that will create for such, you know, an intriguing story. Yeah. You know, for an intriguing message. So uh, that's really my plan. I'm here for it. So. I, I honestly, I, I'd love to hear about that project. I'd love to hear about any other projects you have for the movement. I like the volume aspect. Yeah. That would be really interesting to see. I'm always going to be talking about anything you put out there. Like, <laughs> I can, man. you have a lot of talent and you're so young. Yeah. Like, I'm, yeah, I'm only, you know? it's crazy. I'm, only, uh, I'm turning 20. In May. That's insane. Only like 19 years old I've been. That's insane. Uh, yeah. Like it's you have a lot of talent. You in you have a passion and I feel like, you know, whatever you do technically wise, like mm -hmm. you you have a gift and definitely keep doing it. Um thank you so much Anytime. for taking the time yeah. to, to you know, see me in person. Yeah. Um this is amazing, you know, the the, the movement, it's MVMT, right? Yeah. And it's still published on YouTube. Is it published anywhere else? Um, like I said, I've been trying to like you know get it out there. So I've been trying to like put it out. I've been like sending it to like film festivals and wow. stuff like that. Okay. I'm really it's it it's tough. It really is tough. You know, like it, it being living in like to into this. I you you got it. Mm -hmm. I've even shown this to a few faculty mm -hmm. members. You got it. Like I, I I feel like this can go places. Yeah. Seriously, like it's phenomenal and. Don't give up. I believe Don't me, give I'm, up. I'm not, I'm not stopping. I'm really not, you know, okay. like that, that even, you know, even though it, it, it's an unfortunate thing that, you know, things that are much more serious don't get as much attention as others. Yeah. You know, like I like to, I like to think of it as this, like not that I'm of this person's caliber by any means necessary. Right. But for example, like look at Vincent Van Gogh. Okay. Right. This guy got little to no recognition if i'm being completely accurate and uh his works were almost never recognized yeah. you know and you know he had a crazy life it ended terribly he killed himself but 
years, decades, ages later, he's he was recognized. Yeah. He's considered to be like one of the. He's considered as one of the greatest artists right. of all time. You know. Yeah. So it's just like, regardless of whether it gets noticed and it actually is able to gain national attention right you know and kickstart my career as a filmmaker right or not and i'm gonna have to figure out another way to like break through and to get you know right out there you know um i I, I think this is a good way to do it and yeah you know hopefully you don't go the vince fango way (laughs) you know but yeah I, i i think i think it's amazing and i think there's a lot of potential there like way more than i could even imagine yeah you're fine um but again i'm gonna continue to share i've already shared your film with a few faculty members a few personal friends i'll continue to share it and you know and again congratulations i'm giving you your congrats because you deserve it Thanks. well i don't even know what the count is but it doesn't matter <laughs> you made it and you yeah. put that something like that out there i've never seen a film like that localized mm-hmm. and so symbolic it, it's powerful seriously Thanks. seriously Thank you. <laughs> yes. And give me your your last name again, because I want to say it the, the right uh, way. Dorval. Dorval. Yeah. Okay, this is yeah. Christopher Dorval. Yeah. Uh, the name on his name is, uh, it's, uh, it's Lavrod Cirque. It's my, well, I don't want to say, um, but, uh, you know, I'm not going to lie. There is actually a bit of a meaning to my name, but uh, my... If you're listening and if you want to check the film out, the uh, the profile name of my channel is Lavrod Cirque. So that's going to be L-A-V-R-O-D and uh, space S-I-R-K. And it's all lowercase. So, uh, and you'd be posting your other like yeah. films and stuff? Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> okay. Okay, wrapping it up with Chris Dorval. Please feel free to check him out on Instagram at Chris Dorval. That's spelled K-R-I-S-D-O-R-V-A-L. All one word, Chris Dorval. Also, please feel free to find his short film on YouTube called The Movement. Movement is spelled M-V-M-T. And I will be sure to include that on the link here with today's podcast. So thank you everyone for tuning in to another episode of Between the Lines. Between the Lines is partnered with SUNY All Westbury's web radio station, OWWR. Please make sure to check them out on social media at OWWRNY. Until next time, folks, stay safe.